Episode of 25 Days of Christmas, an Advent podcast where we sit down and talk about a Christmas movie or special every day until December 25th. I am Patricia and I'm here with my sister Carlene. Hello everyone. Today we're going to be talking about the 1946 film It's a Wonderful Life, which has become a major Christmas classic despite actually being a box office bomb when it first came out. That is surprising. Yeah, it was. It didn't remotely make enough money to make it as a financial success. And the only way this was able to become a Christmas classic was around the 70s in which it started falling into the public domain. And then it started airing on TV over and over and over again. Until now, people actually know about it as like one of the definitive Christmas classics. And I wonder, because it was filmed, if I'm correct, in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And these individuals, some of them were almost middle-aged. I wonder if they even, in their lifetime, saw it gain popularity. Well, some of them didn't, but then a lot of them, like, of course, uh, Frank Kappa, who was the director, he noticed that it was a success around the 70s when he was already old, and uh, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed already knew that it was um, a major classic. I mean, literally when they were just told about it. But yeah, for a long time, this was considered to be like not very successful in the box office. So yeah, let's talk about it. So it starts off with uh, an angel by the name of Clarence who has told the story about George Bailey because he is going through a lot of troubles at the moment and he's thinking about contemplating suicide. So Clarence sees George's life when he's a young boy all the way up until he's a full-grown adult and he does many things from going over to working at his job um, going over to working at his uh, father's old building and loan factory going over to um, helping out all the people and eventually just not being satisfied with his life when he has to give up so many things so that people can be able to sustain their work and being able to get by without the greedy hands of Mr. Henry Potter, who pretty much owns everything at this town of Bedford Falls. So um, literally at the second act is when it takes place around Christmas. The first act is mostly focusing on the life of George Bailey. So it even wonders, is this a Christmas film? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, we talked about Die Hard, yeah. and we said it took place around mm-hmm. Christmas, but that doesn't necessarily mean it is a Christmas film, but... The first half doesn't have Christmas at all, and it's not only until like over an hour and a half in, in which it starts focusing on the Christmas stuff. Yeah, it, it, I, I would say like it. I can understand a point being made for both. Whether yeah, it's not considered a Christmas movie, and it is. Um, 
I think it definitely makes me feel more Christmassy than more, Die Hard. Than die Hard. Um, it focuses a chunk of it about Christmas, so it feels a little more. But I can also see how, like, an argument against it not being a Christmas movie. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a drama about this man who had dreams and ambitions to go far away from his hometown and mm -hmm. explore, and he just never had the chance to do it. Yeah, he always found himself, like, trying to help resolve the issues of his family or the people around him and putting their needs in front of his own. And although that made him very generous and wealthy in spirit, it really kind of took a toll on what he believed were his dreams, um, not, not being able to fulfill them. Um, I like this story a lot. I love this movie. I love this movie for a lot of different reasons. Um, it's a little bit of a lengthy movie, so for sure it's a movie that you want to sit down and kind of have time to sit and watch and cuddle up. Yeah, it's over two hours long. Yeah, um, but it, it's still good. Like, um, it has a lot of themes. It's, it's a very in-depth story. I like how it tracks the life of this man, showing you, you know, the different stages, the different big, it almost is like forks in the road. You know, like I think all of us in life are presented at moments with different forks in the road and we choose to go down a path. This movie shows you the different forks that uh, present themselves in the life of George Bailey. You know, when he's set to go off to travel before going to college, set to go off to college, set to go off on his honeymoon, you know, set to travel with his wife, how just different things keep arising. Some are positive and some are not, but regardless, it just continues to keep him in, I think it's called Bedford Falls, yeah, which is. is where, you know, he grew up and he's lived his whole life. I feel two ways about it. I feel really sad because, you know, it really does suck that, like, he sacrifices his own happiness and he provides the ability for others to get out, which is nice, but... You know, I think that like the fact that he has a dream and he's not able to fill that dream makes me sad. I do think though, even in circumstances that seem or are seemingly bad, like you can still find blessings and that's where this movie shines. It sometimes shows you that maybe you don't get what you think you want, but you get what you really needed all along. Yeah, it's like what the same goes. Uh, one with one door closes, another door opens. Yeah, but also to like, if we could see the course of our lives from start to finish, some of the things we thought we wanted, we might not want them if we knew what path it would lead down. And so like, he had the choice, like the fork in the road, to leave and go off and do his own things. But he always chooses to stay. Yeah. And later in life when he's contemplating, you know, ending his life because he just feels like so down in the dopes and doesn't feel like he has an answer to his problem, no solution to his problem, feels really alone. Yeah. And um, he's given the opportunity to kind of see what his life would have been if he wasn't born. Right. And the influence he had on his community. But aside from, like, because if he were to, let's say, commit suicide as an older man, like a lot of those things that he's already done in this past... He's, he has already left some type of legacy behind. So that's why I think the story kind of shows you when he was a small child, if he was never born. But if he would have left off, you know, to college and really never kind of came back, a lot of those things, you know, still wouldn't have been able to happen. Yeah. And so, like, it kind of shows him 
in, in, a, in a roundabout way, like what his life would have been like or what the, the lives of the people around him would have been like if he would have followed his dreams. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it just goes to show you the important lesson about how one man can influence so many other people's lives. As we saw in the sequence when he was never born, some people died. Some people were locked up like Uncle Billy, you know, after his building was and his business was, you know, pretty much uh, shut down. He was in a sane asylum. You know, his mother was very like angry Mm -hmm. and, you know, his wife never married. She became a librarian. But those are like the immediate relationships. But there's people even in the town, like townspeople that weren't maybe directly connected to him, but that were heavily influenced. Like some of the people that were, became his tenants or some friends that he grew up with um, that didn't have access to these opportunities that he kind of like created by being present in their lives. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I really like this. And this is something, another theme we see in another movie like Klaus. And that's a theme I like there, and this is a theme I like here. Like, yeah. I some, like mentioned then, sometimes we go through our lives not really realizing how influential are, we are. Um, and then when you're these in these moments, you're given an opportunity to see, like, hey, like your life does matter. It's important. Um, and look at the, the influence you've made. And it showed him, especially at the end, like, the value he was placing on other things versus the value of, you know, being a friend to people mm-hmm. when he was in that dire need. Um, everybody in the community came to support him yeah. because at one point or another he was there for them, and he had made such a big impact that they were there to support him. Yeah, and and we even saw throughout the beginning of the movie that he gave his best friend Sam Wainwright. The idea of, hey, grow these soybeans so that you can be able to make it into plastic. And he told him to do it at Bedford Falls. And that eventually helped with um, making plastic for the war. Yeah. And his brother. That's a huge one. I I love that piece, too. I've never actually noticed this uh, point until just watching it this, this time around. Okay. Because he saved his brother's life later when his brother becomes a war hero. He shot down, I think, 14 or 15 different planes. Yes. Well, one of them or two of them were headed to like huge cargo ships full of people, hundreds of people, right? Hundreds of men, and so like because he didn't exist, he died as a young boy. His brother wasn't there to save him. Um, and then all the other soldiers who would have been rescued by Harry also died. Right. So like by George existing, he saves you know, through a roundabout way, the lives of hundreds of people from yes. this brother mm-hmm. um, that you can never know you're connected to. Yeah. Like, you, you could never think, like, somehow I'm connected to a stranger on a cargo ship thousands of miles away. Right. But it shows you kind of how these little pieces kind of go together. Mm-hmm. I also really loved the story of him and Mary and how quirky George is. He's so strange and so, like, and you can kind of... Strange, not, like, in a weird way. Strange in a good way. Like, he's just very, like, down-to-earth, and he wants to experience life a little more, like, authentically, and he's a little more spontaneous when he... That one girl, like, likes him. Oh, Violet. Violet. You know, she's she wants to be wined and dined, but he wants to go and walk barefoot on a mountaintop and run around naked and just enjoy, <laughs> like, life. And so, like, that's just so far-fetched for a lot of people of that time. And Mary goes hand in hand but yeah. I, I love seeing her as a little girl 
Yeah, in the scene when, yeah, when she was over at the drugstore and she was asking for, like, ice cream and then George explains to her about National Geographic and how about he's going to explore and... Even when they're little kids, she says to him, George, I will love you till the mm-hmm. day George I die. Bailey. I no, love- but I love it too. I Like... I think we've all had our little elementary crushes, but mm-hmm. this one in the cutest way, like, pans out to be her soulmate, and she almost knew it from then. Yeah. Wow. And then you have the school dance where they're doing the Charleston yeah, competition. Yeah, so funny. I love that. I love their romance, to be honest. Yeah, and that school is, like, one of two things that have survived um, this the, the shooting because a lot of things have either, like, been rearranged or got torn down or something, so they even still have the pool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, there's another thing that I really did enjoy about this film was that it was able to have this really interesting chronological tale about George's life and then being able to see about like, okay, this is how it all connects when you go over to the second half and Clarence is showing him about what would have happened if he was never born. Mm -hmm. We saw about how Mr. Gower was arrested and then he was treated horribly after, you know, he you know, sent over the poison pills by accident. And, you know, Mr. Uh, his uncle Billy was locked up in an asylum after his bil- uh, his studio, shut, uh, his um, work shut down. And then uh, Martini, he never got the bar. So, I mean, there's like a lot of like little things that you notice when rewatching the film. It's like, oh, wow, this is how it was influenced into the people's lives. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that uh, the thing that really just cemented it was the ending in which, you know, George is at his wit's end and... You know, he finally comes home after feeling really appreciative of what he did have in his life. And then everybody comes in and is able to help like him out. He affirms that too. Like, you know, yeah, it brings back to the awareness. Like, wait a minute. Like, I felt so down and now I can see all the love and care around me. And I really think that's an important lesson because the only really thing that changed is obviously insight mm-hmm. which was done through this whole like showing him what the world and and the people in his life would have lived yeah. the lives they would have lived without him mm-hmm. but really aside from that which is huge but it's just insight nothing else really changed no nothing else really changed so like sometimes in a moment where we're feeling really down and really alone and isolated we're missing that insight and if we reach out or if we wait a bit or look at something from a different perspective, we see all the love and care we can and do have around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's also, in addition to um, George and Mary and Clarence, there's also Mr. Potter, who's like... Oh, man, this is a really bad character. He is evil to his core. Yeah, absolutely. Like, sometimes certain characters have redeeming qualities. Like, for instance, you know, you, well, you guys don't know, maybe you'll learn, but... I know. I love the Grinch. Well, we and talked about that in the 2018 version. Yeah, like the Grinch, even though he's a villain, he's he has redeeming qualities, and when he allows himself to like tap into that, then like he allows himself to be saved from that life of misery. And so does and Potter and same never. yeah never like Scrooge he was redeemed. Right. The Grinch he was redeemed. Mm-hmm. Not Mr. Potter. No. And like. Wow, what a depiction of a really, really, like, evil, I would think. Like, just really just... Yeah, and and, and racist. And sexist and everything. Just horrible. Just everything bundled up into... Like, he would... Wouldn't see someone, like, rot or go into their demise and not bat an eye. That's no, horrible. exactly, yeah. 
I mean, he's the kind of guy that he would do anything to get what he wants and take power at the cost of even people's lives being miserable. Right, or even people's livelihoods. Like, he even somewhat kind of plans to seed of, like... Maybe you're better off dead to someone. And I yeah, I mean, that's that's literally what he said to George when he was um, asking for, um, you know, some help for the $8,000 that was missing. Which, by the way, he accidentally took from... He didn't accidentally take. It was accidentally brought to his... Newspaper. Right. Like, it was accidentally given to him, but he kept it. So. Right. Yeah. And so when George told him that he had like a $15,000 insurance, he said, you're better off dead than alive. And that was what made him decide to contemplate suicide. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, I would say overall, I mean, I think that the one nitpick that you had was about like how angels work. Yeah. You know, like from my personal beliefs, obviously I don't, that doesn't align with my personal beliefs. So it's kind of like, really? But it's it's a, like a nitpick for a movie. Yeah, it's an it's an it's a minor nitpick. Yeah, like. But other than that, I think that this movie is amazing. Yeah, I agree. I do question the little Christmas element to that. It's so funny that up until now I've never questioned that because we always watch it during Christmas time. It does have Christmas in it. So it feels Christmassy, so I've never questioned whether it is or isn't a Christmas movie. It's only Christmas in the second half. Yeah, so interesting yeah it is i guess i didn't sit in that thought so my ratings are might be different but yeah all right then so let's rate it in watchability every year every year come on come on at this point in time it's a tradition everybody's gonna watch this every year santa rating i'm gonna go with my original previous before the revelation of whether it is or isn't and give it that rating, and I'm gonna give it like a 4.5. And I was gonna do the same thing, 4.5. Yeah, only great. because of those minor little nitpicks, and on, and also because that Christmas only appears in the second half. Yeah. All right, so that is it with our discussion of It's a Wonderful Life. Let us know in the comments below about what your thoughts are of It's a Wonderful Life. And let us know if you think it's a Christmas movie or it's not a Christmas movie. Uh, If you can, please like this video, share it with your friends, subscribe. Uh, For those who are listening to us and are not subscribed, then please uh, subscribe to the channel. It really helps out a lot. Uh, Let us know in the comments below if you have any requests for any Christmas movies or specials you you want us to take a look into. Or maybe Valentine's. Is it too early to gear up for Valentine's? (laughs) I'm sure that there's a ton of Valentine's Day movies out there. But regardless, tune in next time as we talk about another Christmas movie or special. Until then, we'll see you later. Bye, guys. Gaze upon the sky Christmas on my mind Somewhere from a place up high above There's a song of love Travel